Welcome to the God Shift Podcast, where we move you from disruption into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and individuals, organization leaders, and ministry leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how elevating God's position in your life empowers you to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty and unlocks the door to confidently move you into your next chapter. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of a Godship podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad that you are here. Before we get into the interview, I have a favor. I would love if you all would take a screenshot of wherever it is that you're listening to this episode, whether it's on your phone or your computer or your tablet, take a screenshot and then post it on social media with your biggest aha or your biggest takeaway from the episode. And when you do so, I would love it if you would tag us here at A God Shift. And for me, it's not about views. It's not about downloads, to be honest with you. I think I looked at the stats for the first time yesterday in a long time. But I do want to make sure that we're getting these messages into as many um, hands and many people's lives as possible, because I know that our lives and our communities and our world at large is in turmoil, especially at the time of this, re- this recording, and I just want people to know that whatever it is that you're going through, that there is hope on the other side. So the more people that share this information, the more lives that can be changed and sometimes even lives that can be saved. So thank you in advance um, for sharing this episode. So I am going to read my guest bio, and then we will get right into it. I'm excited about this. I can't wait for y'all to hear his voice. So my guest is the director of Spacemakers, which is a productivity consulting group for busy leaders, as well as the senior minister of Together Church in Hobart, Australia. I guess I just spoiled what his voice is going to sound like. But anyway, his book, Spacemaker, How to Unplug, Unwind and Think Clearly in the Digital Age, was the best personal development book in 2021 and finalist for Best Technology Book in 2021. As a trainer, coach, and keynote speaker, he has worked with CEOs, executives, and other senior professionals throughout Australia and beyond. He is an accredited Clifton Strengths Coach and the creator of Email Ninja, a global inbox zero course, inbox zero course with more than 15,000 students online and offline. As a bivocational church minister, He is passionate about training disciples, equipping leaders, and launching micro churches to reach everyday Aussies. He is the founder of Hope Groups, a global discipleship initiative to bring hope, help, and healing to people in lockdown. Since launching Hope Group in April 2020, his team has trained hundreds of people to read the Bible with unchurched people, leading to new disciples on every continent except Antarctica. On the home front, Daniel is married to Kylie. He has three children and compassionately keeps 15 noisy chickens who rarely lay eggs. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Daniel C. Thank you for having me, Shana. Thank you for uh, reading this What is a chicken that doesn't lay eggs? I know. Well, look, they lay eggs in summer, but in winter when it's dark and cold and you really want egg, yeah, there's nothing there. (laughs) 
nothing there. You must really love those chickens. So, Daniel, I want to lay a little bit of a context for the conversation before we get into the interview. So for anyone who is listening to this podcast for the first time, I want to set the stage by giving you what my definition of a God shift, because most people are like, that sounds really intriguing, but what the heck is it? So to me, my definition of a God shift is anytime disruption in your life collides with God's purpose and moves you into a greater destiny. And I believe that God uses disruption in unexpected circumstances to get our attention. We're either pursuing a path that is not what he has planned for us or, you know, putting emphasis and priority on the wrong areas of our lives. So the question is, is when he uses these things to shake up our lives, are we going to see what he wants us to see? Are we going to learn what it is that he wants us to learn? And for many of us, are we going to go where it is that he needs us next? So, Daniel, when you think about your own life, can you think of a time that God used disruption or unexpected circumstance, like a setbacks or a delay or a disappointment in your own life? Yes. In fact, I'm struggling to think of a time where I haven't had disruption in the last three or four years. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And and in each time, I love your word shaken because I certainly feel like my my personal world, my family's world, church's world has been shaken a lot in the last three years, and uh, like like all of us, uh, but God has used it in quite remarkable ways. Uh, so maybe maybe if I start uh, in March 2020, uh, I was running a business, uh, doing strategic consulting, doing strategic planning with lots of different uh, groups and organisations around Australia. And then leading a church community, which we had planted or replanted just a, a year and a half before. And I suddenly found myself, you know, moving toward lockdown. Within about three weeks, all my clients cancelled our projects because who wants to plan the next three years when you're entering a pandemic? And every, everyone was just worrying about getting toilet paper and food, you know, as 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 people were panicking right at the beginning of the pandemic. And so I found myself with all this space and time on my hands and uh, and I saw all these businesses frantically putting out stuff online and doing lots of extra activity. But I just had this real sense, actually, that God was saying to me, no, just just pause and listen and and don't don't respond and don't react. Just just trust in me because there's something new that's coming. But it, that's hard to do. It's really hard when there's a storm and a whirlwind around you just to sit and breathe and trust. Uh, I don't know if you've connected with that, but um, and, and so what I saw uh, over the next oh, over the next month, God just did the most amazing things. Uh, I I woke up in the middle of the night one night, having seen the night before a bunch of circles uh, on the news, which which represented where the pandemic was spreading across the globe, mm -hmm. and I woke up with Esther four fourteen ringing in my ears, where God. Uh, uses where he, where Mordecai says to Queen Esther, you know, what if essentially the world has been shaken for such a time as this? Yeah. And I just realized that actually God was shaking not just my life and my business, he was shaking the whole world or at least allowing it to be shaken. Sure. And I saw these dots spreading and I thought, what if this was an opportunity for us as apprentices or disciples of Jesus to show the love of Jesus and see the gospel spread in this incredible new way probably online because that's how people are connecting. That's where people are being kind of people have to separate from each other. So we're having to connect online. Uh, and, and so out of that came this idea of hope groups where 
I started to train a few people to get together with friends online, just three or four people on Zoom and say, what are you thankful for? What's been a challenge in your life this week? We would read a few stories of hope from the life of Jesus, from the Gospels, and then commit to helping a friend or neighbor who was in fear or panic or, or in need in isolation. And we would say a quick prayer. And all of these groups had uh, non-Christians or people who weren't uh, followers of Jesus in their groups. It was very deliberately a, a group to help bring hope and, and love to those who didn't yet know Christ. Mm-hmm. And eventually, within a year, we had hundreds and hundreds of these groups. I trained more than a 1,000 people individually online uh, all around the world. Uh, we saw new churches planted in like the French Congo. It was translated into different languages. Uh, we saw people come to faith in, in America, in Canada, in the UK, in Mongolia, uh, yeah. in places I'd never heard of. Right. And, uh, and all, it all happened just from my bedroom. Uh, and another disruption that happened was I broke my leg riding my bike at that time. And so I actually couldn't move. So I just sat in bed or lied yeah, in bed. Time. I know, lied in bed, feeling kind of depressed that I was in bed and couldn't do anything. But God used that disruption to bring about uh, hope in different places. So that was one of the disruptions that certainly changed my life yeah. uh, because of the pandemic. So what would you say you learned as a result of that? Because I absolutely believe that that was one of the primary, if not the primary reason that the Lord allowed COVID because it was a time to get everyone to really pay attention to what was important. I I think I said one time, I said, you know, we were making idols out of our jobs and entertainment and all these other things that really were not that important. So the Lord was kind of like, okay, let me remove all of that and get you to your lowest point, so to speak, you know, so you have no choice but to look up and look around you. And I believe that it was an opportunity for people to reinvent themselves. I think it was an opportunity for people to reprioritize things in their lives. And for some people is like, listen, all those things that you always said that you never had the time to accomplish, like, Mm -hmm. let me give you the time to accomplish it. So if you're listening to this and you still didn't write the book, you still haven't started the business, not having time was not your problem. (laughs) So what did you really learn, you know, especially in your own personal life of, Mm -hmm. you know, because the Lord could have allowed anything to get your attention, but he used this to get your attention. You create these hope groups. So what would you say was like your biggest, like light bulb moment you know, as a result of all of this? Yeah, so probably two things. I mean, one, I've been drawn to the scripture where Jesus says, you know, I only do what I see the Father doing for whatever the Father does, the Son also does Yeah. uh, from John. And look, very much, you know, I'm a type A personality. I can get stuff done. I can make things move. Uh, But, you know, I'd been a minister for 10 years and we'd never seen anything like the type of growth and fruit that we saw in a nine to 12 month period through these hope groups. And, uh, And I'm not saying that we weren't following Jesus or obeying what he was saying to us, but there's a sense where when God's spirit decides to move, he sometimes will use you in particular ways and it's really beautiful. Um, but I also, it was about 11, well, probably about 15 months later, I just had this real sense that it was time to stop. And again, because I'm starting to learn that, that, that listening to God and walking in what he says, being willing to die to things that have worked in the past mm-hmm. when it's no longer your time is the right thing to do. So I ended up stopping hope groups and someone else is now leading them. 
so I suppose what I'm learning slowly through that process is that, yeah, when when you sense God's spirit moving, when you're listening and abiding and moving with what he says, that that's when stuff happens, not just because you're strategic or active or smart. Uh, does that Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You know, I, I say all the time, like in my own life, one of the, the main indicators that I was experiencing a God shift was because all the strategies that had always worked for me were no longer working. Yeah. You know, all the consultants that I had hired, everything they implemented was no longer working. And so oftentimes when you can't perform the way that you've always performed, or, you know, you're not reaching your goals the way that you've reached your goals, it's usually because God is moving somewhere else. And I mm-hmm. think one of the most difficult things for us to let go of is what we had in mind, right? You know, especially when we've spent a lot of time or money to get wherever here is, it's very difficult for us to let go of, you know, some of the achievements and the attitudes, you know, that we've kind of kind of had in the past. But I love what you said that like, you know, It's not necessarily when you're being strategic about when your life is moving forward, but when you can sense that it's his spirit moving. And if you question whether or not it it is his spirit moving, a lot of times it's because things are just no longer working. I say in my book, what the hell is going on? Like those are six words I think we all ask ourselves at one moment or another. And it's because my business had dried up. My relationships were no longer fulfilling anymore. And it's because God was moving in a different direction and he needed me in a, you know, to lead in a different place. And if I had to continue just to been able to continue to be strategic and here it is, get results, Mm. I would have never paid attention to the direction that he was moving in, which is why he has to give us disruption, which is why I think he has to give us unexpected circumstances because he's so committed to like the results in our lives. If we're going down a different path, whether it's relationally, energetically, you know, mindset wise, physically, he's going like, let me shake her up and get her where it is that I really need her to be. Yeah, look, that's beautiful. And that's certainly been absolutely my experience. Uh, and and it's interesting, you know, Jesus says again, uh, unless a, 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 a grain of wheat falls to the ground and then dies, well, then it can't produce a crop. And then he basically says, this is the life of the apprentice of or disciple of Jesus. And what I've noticed is every time those disruptions occur, there's always a death that has to happen to your identity, to your dreams, to what has worked in the past. Uh, it was really painful to say, I used to be a strategic consultant and then I sold that business to do hope groups. Uh, and then when hope groups were working so well, I'd never seen as much fruit. But then I just had this sense that God was saying, no, it's time to let that die. And the next thing will happen. Uh, and then, you know, so, so I'm like, oh, you just gave me this okay, yeah. it's time to let it die because yeah. because you have something new. And then he did bring something new, and uh, which is why I'm speaking to you. You know, I, I've had a number of these incredible shifts, probably about 12 to 18 months at a time. And every time he asks me to let it go, it's really hard and it's really painful and it's messy and confusing, but then he brings me something new and it's it's really quite beautiful. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that, Sometimes we're asked to be, to let go of trash, but other times we're asked to let go of treasures because it wasn't yeah. that things were just messy and, you know, it wasn't a toxic relationship. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't all these nasty things that, yes, are not going to serve us where we're going. But talk a little bit about 
how one, I think people realize that it's difficult when God asks you to let go of something good, that that can be difficult, but how necessary it is, because like you said, like something has to die, even if it's a good thing, he'll place that new thing just far enough out of reach that you have to let go of, of the old thing, but just unpack that that whole idea a little bit more, because what I want people to understand is that disruption is always is not always something that's negative. Oftentimes, when people are being asked to shift, they're making the most amount of money in their life. They've accomplished everything they've set out to do. But there's just this inkling, right? Like maybe there's another level of success with my name on it. Maybe God needs me somewhere else. Just unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, look, another another shift that's been happening in my life recently is I've been uh, we, we put in an enormous amount of work to plant a church and we were building momentum and things were growing. Uh, we, we hit a bit of a roadblock during COVID because we were doing so much activity outside of our own local area and doing the global stuff. But uh, we, we still have seen God working. And yet again, over the last probably nine months, I've just had this sense that actually uh, we talk about a grain of sand dying or the Christian life being about death and resurrection, about uh, allowing ourselves to die and rise again, that's actually the Christian life. And actually, there are churches that are meant to close. There are communities of faith that are meant to stop doing what they're doing in order for God to do something new. And uh, we've actually felt we needed to let go of our church even. Um, and that's what we've done. We've stopped church services uh, and and we gave it back to God and said, actually, even this is your church and if you want us to let this go well we'll do that at the right time and not just hold on to it out of tradition and trust that something will come out of it and what's coming out of it is uh we're now i suppose we're not doing church services but we're meeting in houses and they're multiplying uh which we're calling micro churches and i'm not saying that's the only way to do church but uh we had to let go of our understanding of what was working. And and I still, my wife and I put so much energy into planting a service and we keep, we still have said, God, why did you call us to, to put all this energy and time to brand and to market and to build a community? And like, it's so much work to start a service, money. And now we're just meeting in a home and having coffee and just seeing who turns up, you know, but but I have to trust that there's something that, that God is behind it. And I, I don't, understand the why sometimes i find the why question is actually not that helpful um but but loving him and and knowing who that who you cling to and and trusting that he is leading you to a new place i think they're the right questions to be asking absolutely i I agree i don't think why is that um is that powerful of a question unless you're trying to figure out what immediately comes after that? Like, what am I supposed to learn? Who am I supposed to become? Where do you need me next? You know, I think you you actually can have the ability to really limit yourself even more if you just get stuck in the why, stuck in the why, right? So, Dana, I want to pause real quick and take a small commercial break. But when we come back, I want us to give some tips and advice as to people can, how people can kind of put all this together, okay? Sounds good. This episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to follow God's plan to move you out of disruption and into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to godsaysshift.com. That's godsaysshift.com to access it now. So, Daniel, 
I'm a big believer in it's one thing to talk about things theoretically or from a conceptual standpoint. And when people listen to our stories, because fortunately for you and I, we're both on the other side of our disruption and things are going well. But for a lot of people who might be listening to this episode, they may still be smack dab in the middle of their um, their disruption or their unexpected circumstances. And by this point, they may be saying, okay, I get it that disruption can actually be beneficial to our lives um, if we allow it and if we do the work, you know, people say that all the time, that we actually can use it as a tool to create a better life. But in your experience, what have you seen are some of the common barriers that can actually prevent somebody from really being able to make sure that this develops them and doesn't destroy them? Mm. Well, I mean, you asked before what was what was that kind of standout God moment for me, and I mentioned you know following what we see Jesus doing. The second one relates to the question you've just asked, which is I think we need space to think and to rest and to pray and to not jump in and solve things in our own strength, but to allow that space where we are uncomfortable, we don't know the answers, and we just it's almost like that wilderness, you know, where Israel went into the wilderness, just allow yourself to have those moments where you are really unhappy and confused and sad and stressed, but you just hold it before God and you make the space to actually be and listen. Uh, That's what led to, let's say, the hope group story. and I mean that—that's what I'm passionate about in business. That's you know why I call myself a space maker, yeah. because we—we we, what I've realized is actually in our world today there is just not enough space. And to get to that stage, we really need to reframe the way in which we shape our lives. And part of that is how we shape technology, uh, as well as the way in which we shape our schedule. I love that. I'm using those exact words. So I'm taking notes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting around the time. So, you know, we talked about disruption Uh, at the end of 2000. I'd been writing a book for seven years and it had been an enormous off the, you know, like it it was a painful, long research-based endeavor. And uh, it's now called Space Maker, which is my book, but it was about why and how technology is overtaking our lives and how digital overuse is unhelpful for us from a heart, a head, a habits point of view, and why uh, we'll we'll never have the space we need to really live well in this world if we don't rethink our relationship with technology and particularly unplug as a habit. And how ironic is that? Because I I spent more time in 2000 on technology than I had. Like I was training people every day, constantly on Zoom, and then finishing a book about why being online is bad for our health and happiness. You know, and and I knew there was this juxtaposition at the same time, and at the same time, it's exactly what I was writing about: that we need technology to be faithful and productive, or we need it to be productive. But at the same time, too much technology makes us unproductive and unhealthy and unhappy. So uh, I I got I got picked up by a publisher, a book publisher, at the end of two thousand, and then spent you know a frantic few months uh, in two thousand and. Uh, 21, getting the final parts of the book together, and I published in June last year. And a, another huge disruption happened because I thought this book would just be something that would reach, a, you know, hopefully a thousand people. But uh, it won, like you said, the Australian Business Book Award for the best personal development book in Australia. And that 
has been another tremendous, unusual disruption. I mean, it's not a religious book. It's actually a business book. Yeah. And yet my faith and thinking and theology shapes uh, everything in it. So I suppose very practically what I've now come to the conclusion of is uh, my conclusion is that most of us lack space in our life to pray, to think, to rest, to be. Uh, and very practically, the only way to navigate disruption is to make the space to address your inner life, yeah. to allow God to to speak to you, but for you to hear what he's saying uh, and for you to feel your emotions and experience your experiences and allow God to change your story. That's a metanoia, to change your mind. That's the Greek word for repent yeah. uh, and then change your actions. And that only happens when you make the space away from Instagram and email and Zoom and and Facebook and and Netflix, like you, you, it only happens if we intentionally unplug as a habit to make space, which is where the connection between hope groups and helping people use technology online to meet Jesus is actually no different than saying we need to unplug every week, every day as a habit to live really well. Uh, and and now I'm spending most of my time helping people make space, whether they are uh, Christians or whether they're in the world. Um, to try to help people to reflect on the meaning of space and how they might unplug from technology regularly and deliberately as a habit. So, Daniel, I read something some time ago, and the numbers are probably maybe even double since then, and it said that every day we're exposed to at least 10,000 messages, whether it's online, offline, billboards, television, people talking, whatever the case may be. Um, and so it's very difficult nowadays with most people working in the marketplace, um, just everything that our lives involve, our, our families are busy, our kids are busy. And so what do you say to the person? This is the last thing that I want to ask you today is that if you're sitting down with someone who says, I get it, I understand the benefits of making space, but I'm a wife yep. or I'm a husband, I'm a mother. I'm taking care of aging parents. I have to work by the way the dog has cancer. We're in the middle of moving. You know, like people's lives are so busy. So what would be your best tip for how the busy person makes space? Because everybody's always making these excuses of how they can't take time for themselves. I was recommend stillness fast. And I say, I would love for you to do three days and people's eyes just get the size. Yeah. So for the busy person, that wants to make space but just doesn't see how it's possible. What's your best tip? Yeah. So look, I think it has to move from you have to move from a mind shift to a to a habit shift. So the mind shift is that I need space, that I have to reframe and rethink my relationship with the online world. And I haven't really talked about that, but in my book I spend a third of it talking about the paradigm of technology because uh, what I've found is people will never sustain habit change if they haven't really understood how much technology is overwhelming their life and why we need to unplug in order to be healthier. But yeah. when you get to the actual practical stuff, uh, I, I think it's just making sure you implement one small one small habit at a time because a tiny bit of space can make a tremendous difference. So, I mean, the, the the simple, simple things are things like have a digital free meal with your family. And in the book, I talk about the research behind that uh, and how to ask questions to create conversation, uh, to create another pause at the start and the end of the day by unplugging from your phone and charging your phones outside your bedroom. So, you start with your own thoughts, um, not someone else's thoughts, not bad news, not the world, but but you can actually reflect or even talk to the person in bed next to you at the beginning, you know, or end of the day, you know, like 
create spaces intentionally where you can think and rest and pray. Uh, you know, exercise without podcasts or without music a few times a week so that you can just allow your brain to reflect and think, uh, to focus on the data that God is giving in your life and hear his voice or feel your emotions. So create daily mm-hmm. spaces away from technology. Uh, the big, big one is Sabbath, and I've got a, a lot about digital Sabbath and how to plan a Sabbath without technology, why you might do that, uh, but how you'd shape a whole day around rest and worship that is disconnected from the worry and the, and, and the want of the world. Uh, I think that's another really big practice, but that's hard. Like that, that takes practice. So if people want to know where to start, start with some simple daily habits, get some space, experience a bit of breath and rest, listen to God, allow him to start speaking into that disruption uh, and then build on the next habit and build on the next habit until you, you are living an inside out life rather than just running to stand still and hoping that things will make sense. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So basically pick one thing and then be intentional about how you can build it in because it's not going to just happen. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you need a break or whatever the case may be, that you have to be able to, you have to be intentional about making because you're not going to just find time. You say, I need to find the time. You're not going to find the time for anything in your schedule. You have to make the time. Well, my whole principle of space making is that uh, if you look at the pattern, I mean, it's not my principle, it's God's principle. If you look at the pattern of how God shapes us, he says, give us the first fruits of your time. That's what Sabbath is. He says, start the week with rest, which is the first day that the Jewish people consider that the first day of the week is rest. God worked for six days. He rested on the seventh. Our very first day as humans was rest. And then the work was meant to come from a place of abiding and of peace and of, of, um, and of, of space. Uh, And yet we've reversed the order. So I'm not saying we spend all of our time resting, but you must prioritize a little bit of space. And even if that's walk around the block at lunchtime without a phone and just think yeah, and and enjoy God's presence, that, that might be workable. Even if you did that three times a week, start with that, build on that habit, one habit at a time. Uh, I used to be a physiotherapist, a physical therapist, and it's the same with exercise. You don't give people like, you know, huge amounts of weights to start with if they've never exercised, just lift up, you know, 10 reps of this, uh, do five sets of that, go for a walk for 10 minutes or five minutes to the letterbox even and back into the end of the street and back. It's the same with making space, unplug from technology, one tiny step at a time. And my book will guide you how to make that kind of happen in reality. Awesome. So how can our listeners find you and follow you, Daniel? Yeah, so I have a website, uh, spacemakers, plural. Uh, so spacemakers.com.au, the AUs for Australia. Uh, you can download a free digital Sabbath guide and videos. So if you're interested in how you might plan a, a deeply restful day off without technology and where you focus on uh, deep rest and work out what that looks like, you can get those videos on my website. And uh, And obviously, I'd love you to check out my book. Uh, There's a lot in there to help shape your thinking and rest around uh, making space in this world that is so busy uh, and yet so beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, I will make sure that the links to this is in the show notes so that you can grab that freebie and also access the book as well. 
So make sure that you all do that because I don't know anyone that could not benefit from making space in their life. But I know that that's not a, always an easy thing to do, especially when we're busy. So make sure you go grab those resources. So Daniel, we are out of time, but I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing nuggets with my audience. Thank you so much for being here. I just know that everyone is going to be so tremendously blessed by this. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Godship Podcast. I pray that you will not only listen to previous episodes, but future episodes and share, 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 share as well. So thank you again, everyone. It's Shana Rattler signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.